Welcome to Size Eyes, the life of a long-term multitasker. This is the Fully Content series, where content is king, but its wisdom is the kingdom. Where learning is simultaneously a convergent and divergent experience. Where the threads of all the content consumed connect to form a mesmerizing web of infinite understanding. This series explores my unique insights, learnings, and connections with books, podcasts, articles, documentaries, and any other forms of content that I consume. Ultimately though, all this knowledge is only a rumor until it is in the muscle. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fully Content series on the Size Eyes podcast. This episode, we're going to be taking a look at This Changes Everything, which is in many different forms of media now, but I'm going to be referring to the book written by Naomi Klein, I believe in about 2014, which was published in 2014. I believe since then it's been made into a documentary, an award-winning documentary, I believe. And so I read the book, even though it was written six, seven years ago, eight years ago almost, I did read it from October 30th to November 12th, currently looking at my book vault page for This Changes Everything. And I read it, uh, this was my first full book that I read while doing the super reading course on Mind Valley. So, uh, small plug there to Mind Valley as I read this book very quickly, two times, three times as fast as I normally would have read it before, but went through it very quickly. So, I'm going to be changing up a little bit of the format. I'm not going to really be going into the actual content of the book because, especially with this one, the book is available for you to buy and read. It's been made into a documentary that you can watch as well. So whatever type of learner you are, whatever form of way you ingest information, consume content, it's there for you. I'm going to go a level beyond that instead of just paraphrasing anything in the book, going through some of the sections. I'm going to go straight into exactly my takeaways and my thoughts on each of the sections, thoughts overall on the book, and how I incorporate it into my life and to my mindset. So one of the things This Changes Everything talks about is the belief of humans of mastery over nature, right? It's... We always talk about, oh, I'm going to win. It's always a, a zero-sum game, right? We're going to win against this. We're going to win against this team. We're going to master nature. We're going to master this art. Whatever it is, it's light over darkness. It's victory over defeat, right? And in certain situations, I think that's okay, right? Maybe you're mastering mentality maybe you're mastering an art form whatever that looks like but sometimes with nature if you when when you apply that to nature that doesn't really that doesn't really work our belief of mastery over nature i think that's false and it's only going to be in harm's way if we apply that to the environment and so 
rather than looking at it zero-sum game, right? What if we look at it as how can we be in harmony? How can we be in balance with nature? That's the question we should be asking instead of the industrialization, the colonization, those different movements, those different eras of the country, those different eras of the world. What if people, what if the leaders during those times asked, how can we be in balance with nature as we grow, as we develop these countries, as we develop not only our countries, but as we, obviously colonization had a lot of negative impacts to it. What if they asked, how can we be in harmony as we colonize different parts of the world, as we try to integrate other cultures into ours? Obviously, that's a many different rabbit holes to go down, but that's one of the sub-questions that they could have asked, you know, when, when going through that era of industrialization, of colonization, and all that. And so that mindset still pervades in our society today, right? We're trying to win in sports. We're trying to win at business. If I'm a small business owner, we almost have the mentality of if that business succeeds, if someone else's business succeeds, that means mine must be failing. Or if mine succeeds, I defeated my partner, or not my partner, I defeated my competitor across the street. Like, no, what if we had what Elon Musk calls a product, a some product thinking. If What if, you know, in the example of 2U Laundry, what if we just increased our mindset, increased the overall pickup and delivery laundry service, that industry as a whole? What if we increased the laundromat industry as a whole? What if we increased the franchise industry as a whole? Then the competitor, then the people who, then the companies, the businesses who are operating the best will naturally surface, right? Then we, all we have to be, all we have to do is just be in harmony and balance with nature, with business, with people, and with anything else that you're working with. So I think there's just beauty in that. And obviously when you relate it to my personal life, I've seen more harmony, more balance, more synchronicity come when I've started to do Tai Chi, right? I'm in balance with my own self, with my own body, mind, emotions, spirit. Every aspect of my being, of my soul, is, is starting to become more aligned. I can feel when I have more gut feelings because I'm in balance. I'm not trying to suppress anything, right? In this case, mastery over the body, mastery over the mind. I think that's a somewhat healthier mindset than mastery over nature. It has, it's a small semantic slash small mindset shift. And it's a very subtle one. But I think we have to recognize, we have to do a better job as society and as individuals to recognize when do we want to have a mindset of mastery versus a, a mindset of harmony and balance. So that's what I'm going to challenge you today on. And maybe other things as well as I keep going here. One of the other aspects of, of this is, you know, is about systems thinking, right? 
and I've really leaned into systems thinking recently, and especially the last year or so as I've built out my life operating system. Hopefully you've listened to those podcasts. Recently, I've also started building out an organizational operating system and applying that to 2U Laundry, applying that to my specific function of marketing, and in between level of marketing and sales as well. So how does that apply here, right? So what the news does is, news is, is a business, and it's in the business of making money. It's in the business of capturing your attention. And what captures your attention the best? Showing bad news, showing shocking news, showing disastrous news. That's why, obviously, I feel like it always leads with you know, this disaster here, these atrocities in this part of the world. And of course, we should be highlighting and showing a light into what are the bad things that are going on in the world and how we can address them, how we can help those people who are in those situations, of course. However, that's not the only, those aren't the only stories that are going on, right? How is it that the world, we have the fewest amount, we have the, the amount of people in poverty, the amount of people in hunger across the world has steadily been going down and down over the years, over the decades, over the centuries, yet it feels like the world is becoming a worse and worse place. Why is that? Because of bias, because of selective bias, that the news is showing only those specific things those outlier situations instead of the norm, right? And obviously it depends on which locations you're in where the norm may be more tilted towards some, some of those atrocities, right? But generally speaking, you know, that's what it is. Now, the point on the news that I want to make is that when you see news it's very segmented out because you see news in articles, you see news in uh, quick segments on TV, on video, on YouTube, on whatever your form of media is. And when you see that, you see this story here on this topic and then maybe later in the day you're scrolling through Instagram and then you click through and you see this news topic and you read maybe half of it, you read the headline, maybe you read the full article, but still, you're only getting a glimpse of it. What news doesn't necessarily take into account is how those stories are interconnected, how those stories are related to each other, right? So what this book showed me is how the impact of, of colonization, how the impact of this mindset, like I mentioned, of mastery over nature, how that pervades through our society, right? How the industrialization of countries of what were once developing countries and well, are still developing countries like India, China, Brazil, one of the, some of the fastest growing countries in the world right now. Why, you know, why are they continuing to develop with the same paradigms as how the traditional powers like the US, UK, Germany, France, 
like those developed because those developed in an industrial time, you know, one, two hundred years ago, right? But China, India, Brazil, these countries like that, they're developing in the last 50 years, in the last 10 years, right? Why are we using the same methods of how we developed from 200 years ago, 100 years ago to put us in the same, to put us in this position? Why are we using those same methods now, right? There's a quote by Albert Einstein, I'm going to butcher it, but it says, you know, the thinking, all right, I, oh, I'm actually going to look this up real quick. Um, Albert Einstein, quote, problem solving, right? Nope, that's not the one. But, it, oh yeah, it says, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them, right? That's essentially what, that's a quote that captures what I'm trying to say. We got put in this problem because of many different factors, but because of thinking that originated centuries ago, if not earlier, right? And then we're trying to get out of the situation using the same methods that put us in this position. That makes zero sense, right? So we should be doing things differently from the start, right? We have these countries who are just starting to develop, right? Why don't we use these more innovative technologies that we've developed in the last 50, 25, 10, 5 years to implement in these countries that are starting to develop, right? Where the system is green, where the system is ripe for, not disruption, but ripe for planting a seed, almost literally and figuratively. A seed of, of hope, a seed of sustainability, right? And so when, when you apply that to systems thinking, when you build that infrastructure, when you build those systems, it's gonna automatically work itself out to become more sustainable. It's gonna automatically become a healthier way to live for people. You don't have to go out of your way to walk, right? When you have walking paths, when you have biking paths, when you have public transportation readily available instead of just building, building, and building roads and highways, right? What if we just took a step back and saw what is actually your healthiest lifestyle for humans on an individual level, then on the community level, Let's build those into the system inherently, right? And that's what, there's a lot of different movements out there. Like, and so, you know, when I read this, I was really into uh, reading some, some decentralization stuff, obviously uh, stuff with DAOs on the, on the blockchain, obviously a long ways to go, but you know, I was reading about that and then reading about the decentralization of sustainability here. It, would, it had become a theme in the last few days. And so and when I see a theme, when I see something that happens in my life, when I see those messages, when I see those signals, when I can quiet my mind to block out the noise to see those signals of, oh, I'm reading decentralization, which was given to me by someone, you know, by, by a friend, by Vishnu. You know, he gave these, all these articles about, about DAOs. And then in the next couple of days, I'm continuing to read a book on, this changes, on sustainability called This Changes Everything, obviously. 
And one of the themes in there is decentralization. All right, I'm connecting those dots. There's obviously a theme here. And then even recently, my brother sent me an article about education and how it's going decentralized there. And obviously the whole blockchain, cryptocurrency, DeFi, like everything is going decentralized these days, right? How do we build on that? And this book was written in 2014, right? So this was seven years ago. We can continue to build off of the ideas of this book, even though it's a little bit outdated. Some of the stats may be outdated, but if anything, these issues are more than, you know, are, are present more than ever. And, and that's what we really need to, to understand here, that the thinking that, that we got to put it in this problem has to be different to come up with a solution. And so, and so one tangential thing here is, you know, for on an organizational level, on a company level, what if we had, obviously there's financial sheets, right? There's a balance sheet, there's, you know, P&L, all this stuff. And companies live and die by those, right? You know, stakeholders, you know, the, the stock market goes up or down based off those qu quarterly earnings calls and all that stuff. But what if we had, what if companies had a social balance sheet? Obviously, there's something that we can measure, let's say, on the emission side of, of a carbon tax or of carbon emissions of going net zero, right? Sure, that's something you can measure, but what if we had a social balance sheet for, for other things that are not only sustainability related, but a general social good, right? So that w could perhaps take into account you know, sustainability as one aspect of it, maybe social justice on another, maybe education or other organizations that help promote equity, diversity, inclusion, all that stuff, right? And that should be what, even though it, those are almost seen as soft skill, you know, not soft skills, but those soft, mushy type of feelings that you may not translate directly into those finance, financial sheets, those have more of an impact longer lasting, I would argue. And those employees feel good, right? So I'm going to challenge companies. I'm going to challenge my company and hope, hopefully whatever company you're a part of. And if it's not even a company, whatever organization, even for yourself, maybe create your own social balance sheet. Sure, you have your own financial personal budget, right? You keep track of that every month, maybe every quarter, however you go about doing that. But what if we had a social balance sheet? How much do we donate? How much time do we donate? How much, and it doesn't have to be a lot, right? I'm not trying to make people feel guilty here. It's about what's our intentions and then aligning those actions with those intentions. And not only doing that on a personal level, but then going up and doing that on an organizational level, on a community level. And then you connect that, right? When you connect that individual with the community and when all these communities are doing this, you have, it's decentralized, you have autonomy there. But then when everyone is doing it, you have this huge momentum that's built up. You have this huge snowball going downhill and it can't be stopped because of anything. That's what we should get to. The question that Naomi Klein, the author of this book, asks at the end, 
and that I'll ask you as you're finishing listening to this is, history knocked on your door. Did you answer? <laughs>